Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. It's a special Halloween episode, and this year we're tackling some pumpkin-spiced science. Ooh, are we talking about seasonal squash? Yes. We're solving the mystery of why jack-o'-lanterns perish into a sad, squishy mess every year. We'll crack the case and discover how to make a pumpkin last forever. Right after this. Before we get to the rest of this week's episode of Tumble, we've got a really exciting announcement to make. We're on Seesaw! Teachers, if you use Seesaw in your classroom, you can find a bunch of cool resources for episodes of Tumble by searching Tumble Science Podcast on Seesaw. Go check it out! And also, we got some new Patreon patrons to thank. Gracie and Wyatt Fitz, Ivy Vine Winward, Oren Saray, Octavio, Adam Rosenfield, and Miles R. Thanks to all of you for becoming a supporter of Tumble on Patreon. To join these folks and get ad-free access to Tumble, as well as a bunch of other fun extras, go to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast and pledge at the $5 level or higher. And now, on to the show! Our Halloween science question comes from our fellow kid podcaster, Ari. I'm Ari, the host of At Your Level, a podcast for kids, by kids. And my Halloween-flavored science question why? Oh, but why does a pumpkin I carve run so much faster than an uncarved pumpkin? Now, I'm assuming that's even the case. And if it is, I think it's because the air gets into the pumpkin faster, which makes it rot faster. I'm not 100% sure. What do you think? And I'm 11, by the way. Thanks, and happy Halloween. That's a good question. It is a bit ironic that jack-o'-lanterns look their scariest like several weeks after Halloween. (laughs) Yes, they get soft and then they shrink and soon they're on full-on rot mode. Just a little puddle of grossness. You have to get them off your porch or out of your windowsill before they just completely fall apart. But if you put a festive non-carved pumpkin on that same porch or windowsill, it'll last seemingly forever. So let's join Ari in asking our listeners what they think. Do jack-o'-lanterns rot faster than uncarved pumpkins? And if so, why? We'll give you a moment to think about it before we return to solve a squash mystery. When I heard Ari's question, I knew we needed a detective who could get inside the head of a jack-o'-lantern. And I found just the right person. I'm Michael Mazurik. I'm a vegetable breeder here at Cornell University. A vegetable breeder? Like, that doesn't have detective in the job description. (laughs) You're right. Vegetable breeders are responsible for creating new varieties of vegetables. But where the detectiveness comes in is that Michael's specialty is pumpkin and other types of squash. Yep, squash, pumpkin, and some other vegetables as well. But uh, lots of squash and pumpkin for sure. And tis the season. Tis the season to breed pumpkin. La 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 la. <laughs> Michael was actually taking a break from the fall harvest when I talked to him. So he's literally a scientist farmer. Yes. And come Halloween time, that combination results in some pretty interesting jack o' lanterns appearing in the lab. I have one student with me here at Cornell. She's been carving jack-o'-lanterns and has started to put them in the freeze dryer. 
So a freeze-dried pumpkin, does that make them look like little shriveled, shrunken heads, like from a horror show? It looks like it's mummified, you know, without the wrapping. Halloween is definitely a special time in the squash lab. This is using science to celebrate the season. Well, okay, so now that we know that Michael is qualified to help on our case, what's the first step? Well, like any good squash detective, we begin by using our powers of observation to find clues. Michael pointed us towards our first. Sometimes you have a fruit that doesn't last very long at all. If you leave your raspberries out on the counter, they will start to dry out. And if it's a little slow, they'll also get the fuzziness, the gray fuzz. Huh. Yeah, I've observed that too. Sometimes you barely have time to eat raspberries before they get all like mushy and moldy. But what does that have to do with pumpkins? Use your powers of deduction. What keeps a pumpkin from getting dry and fuzzy? Um, probably the orange part. It's orange, and that's what that that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what Michael says. Pumpkins are a type of fruit that usually lasts longer because they have kind of a multi-layered coating. I was right. The pumpkin is coated in orange, and it's the orange. <laughs> well, maybe it's not just the color on its own. I don't know. Seems pretty open and shut case here. <laughs> so the skin, the orange part of the pumpkin, has a wax to it. Wait, so it's the wax? I guess that's why we don't eat the skin of a pumpkin. It's like all waxy. <laughs> you can also feel it when you rub the pumpkin with your finger. And that layer of wax keeps moisture out and in. And so that wax is protective, and that's what's sealing in the water. And I think that's what Ari's noticing. Once he pops a hole in that, then all the moisture can leak back out all the holes. Okay, I get it now. So the pumpkin can dry out like a raspberry if there's a hole in its protective covering. Yes. All fruits hold water inside of them. It's what they need to grow and stay plump and juicy. Oh, yeah, because when you get dried fruits, they're all, like, wrinkly and chewy. Exactly. All right, it seems like we're getting somewhere here. Next, Michael turned his attention to the weapon. The knife. If you have one of those little pumpkin carver knives that has, like, the little serrated, wavy teeth, you can hear it as it cuts through the skin. A rump, rump. I knew it. It was the knife. I had it here on my clue card. <laughs> yes, the knife is involved, but that's not our mystery. Oh, okay. Well, go on. Well, if you've ever bought a pumpkin carving kit, it includes a knife with sharp teeth. That is going through a tough tissue. No, so he's talking about that, like, thick part that's under the orangey rind. It's like the pumpkin lining. Or the defensive walls guarding the pumpkin castle. So it can be really hard, and that's a good barrier to keep out all of the bacteria and fungus that would colonize it. Wait, so what does that mean? Like, bacteria and fungus would colonize it? Big multiplying groups of bacteria and mold are called colonies. That's what you see making raspberries get fuzzy and gross. Where do those colonizing bacteria and mold come from? Well, remember how Ari suspected the air is what's rotting the jack-o'-lantern? In the air is bacteria and mold spores, and their job is to break things down. And that's how trees run compost and everything turns back into soil when it, like, falls on the ground. Oh my gosh, this goes so much deeper than we thought. Rotting is everywhere! Yeah, 
It's called decomposition. It affects every living thing on the planet, and it also keeps our planet growing. Oh my gosh, so is this what happened to the oranges in our fruit bowl too? All the dots are getting connected. (laughs) But let's not lose focus. We're still on the pumpkin. We're not through the pumpkin yet because there's one final hidden layer. A hidden layer? What could that be? Yes, a hidden layer. So well hidden, Michael says we actually have to look for it on a different kind of squash. It's easiest icing to see on a butternut squash. He says if you peel a butternut squash, the third layer will appear right before your eyes. It will start to make a latex, a sap. Wait, a squash makes sap like like a pine tree does? Like that sticky stuff? And that's the final layer? Yes. And then if you touch it and then rub your fingers and let it dry, they'll stick together. I've touched this layer many times without realizing what it was. But it's the reason why I now avoid peeling butternut squash. Well, then I'd say it works pretty well if it's keeping you away. I just buy it pre-cut now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, the sap is meant to protect the squash if an insect or animal took a bite out of it. It could grow its own Band-Aid with this latex sap. Wait, so a squash can make itself a Band-Aid? That's amazing. Like, oh, all better. Little bug bite. No big deal. (laughs) It's kind of crazy, but it's also no match for a carving knife. And so the problem for the pumpkin is once you cut into it, you're making big holes in the place it would normally patch over with its sap. Oh, I see. Things are really beginning to add up. Now you've taken all three layers. You've taken out the wax, you've taken out the woody cell wall barrier, and you've also taken out its chemical defense of that sap. Okay, I feel like we're at the point in the story where the detective just is putting everything together. This is going to be good. Should I get popcorn? So by breaching all three, yes, it starts to leak air and water vapor will dry out from the inside for sure. And any bacteria that land in or mold, you'll start to see it as black and blue polka dots. And then you'll need to get it off the porch while you can still pick it up. When you pick it up and your fingers go through, you've waited too long. (laughs) It's so satisfying. It was the knife in the pumpkin at Halloween. Yes, after the knife carved the pumpkin, a natural process began. The pumpkin started to dry out and bacteria and mold landed inside of it. That meant it decomposed much faster than a pumpkin with all of its protective layers still intact. Case closed. So there's just one thing that's bugging me about this case. What's that? Is there some way that we can, like, save jack-o'-lanterns or keep them from having to rot in the first place? How? What do you mean? Well, what if we could save jack-o'-lanterns by, like, making them into pie before they decompose, and then instead of decomposing, they just get eaten? (laughs) That's an interesting idea. It depends on what kind of pumpkin you're using. So I asked Michael about different kinds of pumpkins. So that is a great question. That is one that most people never get to the bottom to ever. Wow, we're tapping into some deep pumpkin mysteries here. 
Michael said that there's three species of pumpkins and a huge number of varieties. There's the orange jack-o'-lanterns that you can make a pie out of, but it won't be a very good one. I actually did try to do this once, and so I know Michael is right. They're really stringy and watery when baked and not good for pie. The big pumpkin patch pumpkins are really meant for carving. So it's just their destiny to have a weird face on them. It's like an unusual destiny for a vegetable. Yes, and this is the biggest pumpkin surprise. The puree you find in the pumpkin can isn't from a pumpkin at all. That is actually a pumpkin-shaped butternut squash. They make that out of. Hold on, what? I've been deceived my whole life. They're called Dickinson pumpkins, and they're pale orange and oval-shaped. While they're called pumpkins, they're more closely related to a butternut squash than your jack-o'-lantern. Most people would never know that about their pumpkin pies. I'll never look at a can of pumpkin pie filling the same way again. I'll never be able to not tell somebody this. (laughs) Okay, so maybe we shouldn't upcycle our jack-o'-lanterns into pie, but there's got to be some way that we can save a jack-o'-lantern. I think I might have an idea. What is it? Well, you know before you can carve a jack-o'-lantern, you have to scoop out the seeds? Right, and your hands get all gooey, and then you either roast them or, like, throw them in the compost. Stop right there. There's a third thing you can do with seeds. What? Save them. Save them for what? So you can plant them and grow new jack-o'-lanterns from your old jack-o'-lantern. Ah, the circle of life. It just continues forever. (laughs) Exactly. Pumpkins are actually meant to decompose so that they give nutrients back to the soil and new seeds from inside the jack-o'-lantern can grow and thrive in the old one. And one jack-o'-lantern can make, like, so many more jack-o'-lanterns. But how did you know this? Well, I got a tip from a squash detective slash (laughs) scientist. If you pop open a pumpkin seed, you'll see that it has these two halves. Those are the first leaves, the cotyledons, that are going to pop out of the ground. Wow, so the baby jack-o'-lantern seedlings are already in your pumpkin. It's like a pumpkin patch starter kit. Yes, and all you need to do is dry out the seeds for a week or so until one snaps when you bend it. Then you save them during the winter in a cool, dry place like your fridge. Then you can plant the seeds for many more future pumpkin mysteries. Try it out. Save your seeds and plant a pumpkin patch. Or if you're not in a space where you can garden, try popping open a pumpkin seed like Michael suggested. Can you see the cotyledons? Every plant seed has these tiny first leaves hiding inside. There's lots of discoveries to make in vegetable seeds and gardens. Take photos of your jack-o'-lanterns and pumpkin patches, then send them to us at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to see them. Thanks today to Dr. Michael Mazurik, Associate Professor in the School of Integrative Plant Science at Cornell University. Special thanks to Ari Kelly, host of the At Your Level podcast and a fellow member of Kids Listen. Find out how Michael created a new kind of pepper in our special bonus interview episode available for Patreon supporters who pledge $1 or more a month on patreon.com slash tumblepodcasts. 
We'll also have free resources on our blog where you can see videos of a pumpkin harvest, find out why there have been pumpkin pie shortages, and learn more about growing your own pumpkins. That's all on sciencepodcastforkids.com. Eric Kuhn is our engineer and mixer, and Sarah Robertson-Lentz created the episode art. She's also our head of partnerships. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this episode. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I made all the music. Tumble is a production of Tumble Media. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Thanks so much to everybody for listening to that special spooky Halloween episode. Now it's time for some birthday shoutouts. First of all, I have some belated birthdays to call out. Gracie Fitz, happy birthday on October 6th, and happy birthday to your brother Wyatt on October 25th. Mommy and Daddy love you both and think you're both awesome kids. Ivy Vine Winward, happy birthday, science girl, on October 2nd. Mom, Dad, and Leland love you and they love the way your mind works your inventions, and getting to hear about all your plans for life. And now, some not-belated birthdays. Happy 11th birthday, Felicity, on October 30th. Daddy and Mommy love you. Happy birthday to the science-loving Gregory on November 1st. Mom, Dad, and Asher love you. Adeline, stay curious, Della Cakes, and happy birthday on November 1st. Dodge Comstock, never stop asking questions and following your curiosity, and happy birthday on November 2nd. Odessa, mom, dad, and especially Sputnik love you the most, and happy birthday on November 3rd. Elise Pinch, happy birthday on November 3rd, and keep your love of outer space. Ananya, happy birthday November 4th, and keep experimenting and investigating. Teddy, happy birthday November 7th, you are your mom and dad's very favorite human ever. And finally, happy birthday November 8th to Avery, love, mom, dad, and Charlie. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. To get a birthday shout-out of your own, like these fine folks, just go to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast and support us at the $5 level or higher. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. And join us next time for more stories of science discovery and more birthday shout-outs. <laughs>